God has revealed the key to unlocking the greatest vision in the Bible. Are you sure you understand this vitally important key? Find out next on The Key of David with Gerald Flurry. Greetings, everyone. Did you know that God has given us a key to unlock the greatest vision in the Bible? Now, that key is a total mystery, though, to this world, even though the Bible is just absolutely filled with uh, scriptures about that key of David or the throne of David, which is uh, the heart of it. But uh, why is it that there's uh, so little said about it in religious circles today? Why is it that they sometimes think this is a strange doctrine, even though it, it just fills the Bible? in many ways. So, one key that really unlocks the greatest hope there is in this world, and something that will fill your life with a, a different way of thinking, and understanding, and trusting in God, and fill, it'll fill your life with joy. God promises that to you. Notice Revelation 3, verses 7 and 8. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he that is holy, and he that is true, and he that has the key of David. He that opens, and no man shuts, and shuts, and no man opens. We have a message here, and God opens a door, He says, and no, no man can shut it if you will teach and preach that key of David message. That's a powerful, powerful promise to God's people in a prophecy that is being fulfilled today. Verse 8, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, and no man can shut it. For you have a little strength, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. So here, here is this key that unlocks this only, only message for God's true church in this end time. This is talking to God's own church, and it's in the book of Revelation, and it's for the very end time. And God says that uh, if, you, if you proclaim this message, this one message, that He will open a door, and there's not any power on this earth that can shut that door, because this message is so important. God's message is to His only church, His only true church. Notice verse 10, Because you have kept the word of my patience, I also will keep you from the hour of temptation. That's the great tribulation, the worst time of suffering ever on this earth. He goes on to say, Which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. That means you have to add to this the day of the Lord as well, when God is going to smash all these powers that are so great today and their blood is going to fill the valley of Jehoshaphat with blood. That is what is going to happen. Verse 11, I come quickly, hold that fast which you have, that no man take your crown. So if you have this crown, hang on to it. Don't let anybody take it away from you. Now, if you look at the uh, book of Chronicles, you'll find it's the last book of the Old Testament as Revelation is the last book of the New Testament. But if you look at Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles, it should just be one book. That's the way it was originally. But it has the same 
the key of David's message, the same message that I just read to you from Revelation. It's a little more indirect, but nevertheless, it gets right to the heart of the key of David. Notice this commentary, Lang's commentary, and it has this great insight. The author of Chronicles confines his attention to David and the kingdom founded on the promise made to him in 2 Samuel 7, where God promised that there would always be a man sitting on his throne, on David's throne, from the time of David all the way down to the second coming of Jesus Christ. But this is about the key of David, because the promise made to David is right at the heart of that key of David message. It is the heart of it, as a matter of fact. Verse 12 of 2 Samuel 7, let me read that to you. And when your days be fulfilled, and you shall sleep with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, which shall proceed out of your bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, again, that's, that's an eternal promise, and yet all of the commentaries that I see talk about the history in the book of Chronicles. They don't talk about the prophecy. But here, God says this throne of David is going to be eternal. It's going to last forever. Well, that's talked about in another scripture I'll give you just in a moment, but uh, yeah, this is, it's a throne of the Father and uh, the Son, and they're opening up in order to build their family. So it's a, it's a family work that God has, and He's opening up the door, not only to Solomon, but any, any man on this earth is going to be able, going to have access to that at one time or the other. Now, that's a promise from God. If you look closely at Samuel, you understand that it's actually one of the former prophets that have prophecy. It's about prophecy. And it's mainly about prophecy for the end time. That's why it's called former prophets. They were prophets back then, and it talks about the history, but they also show you that that's only a type of the end time when you're going to see all of this prophecy fulfilled. And it's the most wonderful prophecy you could ever, ever hear if you look at the end result. And what happens? It, there's nothing like it on this earth. It is the good news that we all need. Now, why would Ezra write the entire book of Chronicles and confine it to the throne of David? Tell me that. Well, because the throne of David is the heart of the key of David. It's what it's all about. And there is a key. If you have to follow the key of David, there is, if you understand David and his life, there is a key in that that explains to you the greatest vision in the Bible. Let me just turn to another scripture here, this time in Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 36, verses 22 and 23. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Eternal spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia that he made a proclamation throughout all the kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, 
Thus says Cyrus king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me, and He has charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is there among you of all his people, the, the Lord his God be with him, and let him go up. So God it always keeps us looking to Jerusalem. And if you look at Chronicles, it is a transition into the New Testament. It starts immediately, opening things up in the New Testament, and it's uh, 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 focused, first of all, to this key of David, this key that unlocks, well, just about uh, everything in the Bible. But uh, where it says, Let him go up, Jerusalem is up on a hill or, or a mountain, even it today, and it has always been that way. Let's look at uh, verse 23 again, just the last part of it. And I'll just read the last uh, two lines. Who is there among you of all his people? And it goes on to talk about going up from Jerusalem. Let me read you another quote from Ernest Martin about this. Literally, this is, of course, just part of the decree published by Cyrus calling on the Jews to return to Jerusalem, but it is in a canonical sense. These are the very last words of the Old Testament. Of course, uh, Jerusalem had to be rebuilt. It had been destroyed in 585 B.C., and they had to build it all back up, the, the city, the temple, the wall, everything. But they didn't have David's throne, because David's throne had moved on to Ireland at that time. And we explain that in the United States and Britain in Prophecy, a book that we'll send you, and all of our literature is absolutely free. But here's what the quote continues to say. These are the very last words of the Old Testament, as in a manner to the question the New Testament opens with a response, Jesus Christ, the Son of David. Now, that's in design and development of the Holy Scriptures. So. Uh, that's in Matthew 1, in verse 1, where it says, Who is there among you of all of His people? And the New Testament answers, Jesus Christ, the Son of David. Well, why the Son of David? This is, the, the, again, the Son of David, the one that Jesus Christ is going to sit on that throne of David, which has been there from the time of David all the way down to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And there is this promise that God made to David in 2 Samuel 7, that he'd always have a man to sit on that throne, always. And then we show you here in another verse, in Luke 1, verses 30 and 33, I'll read this to you, about the throne of David. We went to Matthew 1 and verse 1, and it talked about the son of David. Now we'll go to Luke 1, 30 through verse 33. And it talks about the throne of David again. In the very first chapter, notice this, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you shall conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God, that's the Father, of course, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. The Father gives it to the Son. This is a family. God is not only talking to Solomon now, He's talking to every man who's ever lived. 
And he says, Here, here's the father, and now he's talking to uh, his son, in which uh, that, this happened. And I'll read the time this happened when the Word and God became the Father and the Son. Well, why did that happen? Because God was opening up the family, not only to Solomon, but to all mankind, if they want it. They have this great opportunity to fill their lives with happiness and joy and rejoicing and hope. If they really want that, God says it's available. But you don't see much of that in this world. Why not? Why is it that people are not more interested in this? Well, first of all, because they don't know the Bible, and that means they don't know God if they don't really know the Bible. They must know God and know what He's thinking and what He sees in all of this. But here's the Son of the Highest, which means the Father, and the Lord God shall give unto Him the throne of His father David, and He he, that is, the God who sits on the throne of David, shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of His kingdom there shall be no end." This, this is a family that God's opening up for everybody, and there's no end to it all. No end to it. This is eternal. So now let's look at the first chapter of John, the fourth gospel to show how this transition into the New Testament is given by God. And always it has a focus on the throne of David, and much of it, of course, is on Jesus Christ, who's going to sit on that throne and rule forever. Let's look at John. Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Now, how about that? Here is a Lamb. Jesus Christ dies. For all the world, and he, he takes away the sin of the world. What a sacrifice he made. He was perfect. And he suffered and was beaten uh, and crucified, and he didn't even look like a man when they were finished with him. Why? So he could, uh, we could be healed by his stripes to give us healing of our physical afflictions. And then the crucifixion, giving His blood, so that we might receive eternal life. He just wiped out all of those sins, and continues to do so if we're loyal to Him and repentant. He always keeps doing that. But behold the Lamb of God, in verse 36, the Lamb, well, the sacrificial Lamb. You can look in uh, all kinds of verses in the Old Testament, and talks about this, this lamb, the sacrificial lamb, which was a type of Jesus Christ at Passover, and many of you are familiar with that story, and, and uh, Jesus Christ was that lamb, offered a perfect lamb, offered for the sins of the people. And do we ever need that? So uh, all of the, really, the real prophecies of the Old Testament pointed to the man who was the Lamb. Verse 41 reads, We have found the Messiah. They were so excited they had found the Messiah that Moses and all the prophets had prophesied about. Well, this is the Lamb. This is Jesus Christ coming. Only they thought 
Many of the Jews thought He was coming in power at that time, but no, no, He was coming as a Lamb to be sacrificed for all of our sins, and then He's going to come about 2,000 years later and rule this world, and that is extremely imminent. It is in this generation when it's all going to happen, and it's going to be a lot less than a generation. It's going to be more in the vicinity of a decade. That is what is prophesied to happen. All these terrible things are prophesied to happen unless our people repent, unless they turn from their evil ways. God says, if we do that, He will protect us and He will save us. But a lot of it depends on how we react to all of this, of course. But let's go back now to John 1 and verse 1, the very beginning of this chapter, and it talks about what Christ does and what it's all about. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This was before Christ came to the earth, the Word was with God. That was before they were Father and Son. Now here it's going to show you they're becoming the Father and the Son, because Jesus Christ was begotten in the womb of Mary and was born as the Son. He became the Son of God, and that made the Father a Father. And He talked about His first begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Now He's opening up the family to everybody. Father, Son, family, it's all about the good news of the coming family of God. That's the gospel. That's what he's talking about. Verse 12, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Verse 18, here's the key verse. Verse 18, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him, passionately declared the Father. Now, this Father that He declared was, again, you see, uh, He was pointing to the Father, the Father who gave Him the, the throne of David. He brought the Father into the picture. If you don't get the Father, you don't get the message. The Laodiceans are condemned for not honoring their Father. The lukewarm people of God, Malachi 1 and verse 6. But notice what it says in the conclusion to Mystery of the Ages. Mr. Armstrong wrote this, and I want to quote this to you because it is phenomenally hopeful. Here's the quote Finally, even God the Father will come to this earth, his throne over the whole universe will be established on this earth. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24, after speaking of the various resurrections, it is recorded, quote, Then comes the end, when He shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. See, the kingdom is offered up to Him, and when He shall put down all rule and all authority and power. In Revelation 21 and verse 3 it says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God." So here's, again, bringing the Father into it, who gave, him, gave Christ this throne. And here he, He's getting ready to rule, but he, he came as a lamb first, so He could die for all the world. He gave Himself a perfect God, gave Himself just to pay for all of our sins. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. John 3 and verse 16. We've all heard of that. But how many people really understand it? Mr. Armstrong continues, When it speaks of God and the Lamb, the Lamb represents Christ, and God refers to the Father. Finally, the atonement shall be completed. Both God the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, in us, and we united with them as the one great supreme God family. See, this is the, the, the God that declared the Father who gave Christ His throne. Now it's all being united in this final end time. And notice what he, he wrote. How wonderful beyond the ability of words to express is the glory of God and His wonderful purpose actually now in progress. Praise, honor, and glory be to God and to Jesus Christ forever and forever. With God's great master plan of 7,000 years finally completed, the mystery of the ages finally revealed, and with the recreating of the vast universe and eternity lying ahead, we come finally to the beginning. You see what this is all about? This is this David throne and or the key of David, it's a mystery to this world. Christ declared about the Father, and He's opened up the family to the entire world. The entire world is able now to take advantage of this. In Revelation 22, it talks about uh, the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. He said, I am the root and the offspring of David. In other words, Christ is the root through the Father's instruction. He created David. He created man. Christ did, under the Father's direction. And then He became a descendant of David, and again qualified to replace Satan on his throne in that first coming. So this is what the offspring is all about. Then it talks about the lamb more when you get down to uh, verses 6 through uh, 9, you can read that yourself. And uh, it talks about that lamb time and time again. See, the one that's uh, how Jesus Christ uh, qualified to rule this world. And, and there was a lot of suffering when that, uh, to make that happen. And then uh, it talks about uh, in Revelation 22 and verse 19, And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. And then verse 20, Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. See, but how can people take these words lightly when Christ speaks this way? And says, If you, if you take away the words of this book, if you don't believe it the way it's written in the Old Testament and New Testament, you have a serious problem with Christ. And that's a warning to all of us, every single one of us. We have to be so careful of this. Let me just read to you one final prophecy. Uh, Isaiah 9 and verse 6 it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. Then verse 7, Of the increase of His government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David 
and upon His kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. It's going to happen exactly the way God says, and what a blessing that is. What hope it is for all of us. Just the zeal of God will do this. Until next week, this is Gerald Flurry. Goodbye, friends. God has revealed the key to unlocking the greatest vision in the Bible. Are you sure you understand this vitally important key? God made an unbreakable promise to King David that his throne would last forever. This promise has not disappeared in the dust and rubble of history. Some have lost track of David's throne and have lost faith in God's promise and in the entire Bible as a result. Others think they know where David's throne is today, but its location has recently changed. But you can find David's throne. Request our free booklet, God is a Family, to understand the most inspiring truth in the Bible. Prove the very nature of God, that He isn't a trinity, but a family. Jesus Christ is both an ancestor and a descendant of King David. The God-being who later became Christ established David's throne, and He will soon return to earth to rule from that throne. All who do God's work today will rule with Christ from David's throne forever as the Bride of Christ. All others will have an opportunity to become sons of God under Christ and the Bride. The family of God will administer the perfect government of God throughout the entire earth and universe, right from David's throne. The throne of David is the heart of the Key of David vision. This throne is a symbol of hope for all mankind. This throne will one day bring true justice, peace, safety, comfort, and joy to all of creation. Request Gerald Flurry's free book, The True History of God's True Church, to discover the connection between David's throne and your life. Jesus Christ, who established God's church and declared His Father on earth 2,000 years ago, will soon rule from David's throne. His second coming will be very different from the first. Christ was born a king, but He didn't become a king His first time on earth. When He returns, He will receive His throne and seize power over the planet for the purpose of bestowing numerous blessings upon mankind once they finally repent. This truth is so much more exciting when you understand the role of God's church in transferring David's throne to Christ and ruling alongside Him. For thousands of years, God's church has prepared for this glorious future. You will also receive a free copy of Gerald Flurry's book, The Former Prophets. The biblical books of Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings are filled with powerful historical examples, both good and bad. These riveting stories are recorded for our benefit so we may learn from history. But this section of the Bible is far more than history. Much of it is prophecy for this end time. Much of the history and prophecy in the former prophets revolves around David's throne. Prove this throne is still around today. Learn the message this throne delivers to mankind. Discover how this throne will last forever, exactly as God promised. Understand how David's throne will be a tremendous blessing to every human who has ever lived. All our literature is available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request God as a Family, The True History of God's True Church, and The Former Prophets. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629.
The preceding program was a paid presentation of the Key of David, brought to you by the Philadelphia Church of God.